It's Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read Chimes at Midnight by Shannon McGuire and Mick read Glorious Appearing, The End of Days by Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. Welcome to Bibliovile. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back here yet again to bring you two terrible books that we both read every page of. I didn't say every word, every page of. (laughs) And did you do some pretty heavy skimming of yours? Oh, baby, you betcha. You know, I... I read pretty quickly. I don't know that I comprehended every word, but I did read the whole thing, which is why we're a little late. I think at this point, we just got to give it up and go on an every three weeks schedule. Three, try weekly? Yeah, why not? Yeah, that's what I do uh, at my job, so that makes sense. I only try weekly. (laughs) Hey, you don't even have to try at all. It's summer break, baby. Oh, yeah. Summer break, dad time. I got the daycare going now. We uh, we let the daycare people take their last couple days since we paid through the month. So I got my standard four days of actual summer... Why am I complaining about this? I get summer... Even four days is more than anybody else gets. But I'm a teacher, so you have to be sorry for me this year. <laughs> All right? But now, it's dad o'clock. It's dad o'clock. It's, today was the first day, and of course, you had to work in the office instead of from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got two projects vis-a-vis the boy, Squeaks. Yeah? Project the first, solid food, going great. Can't recommend baby-led weaning enough. It is hilarious he has broccoli in his hair at all times (laughs) project the second crib naps it went better than expected today i gotta tell you i will not be participating in the cribs crib naps project if he wants to nap on me on the weekends i'm gonna let him nap on me on the weekends well now we know who the spoil sport is (laughs) now we know who the disciplinarian in and the uh you know i'm gonna say no to the new hot wheels and he's gonna come to you Cute and snuggly. He's such a good baby. Well, he's a very good baby and great baby sleep in the crib so that dads can play civilization during the day. All right, but we should get to it. Susan, I got you. I just, I've been, lately you've been struggling. I've been struggling. I've been on a rough streak with picking out books. I have picked out books that wound up being kind of good. I've been picking books that really weren't good choices for Bibliovile. It makes yeah. me kind of sad. I'm disappointed in I've myself. Been, I've been on a streak, and I've been on a streak because I'm shooting center mass. Yeah? I'm not I'm not aiming for any particular thing. I'm just going straight down the pipe, straight Bibliovile. Autumn Rose, YA all the way through, baby. Yeah, that was pretty pure Bibliovile. What looks to me, the font looks at Kawimes at midnight. The, the, the Oh, yeah bridge on the h is very very low looks like a u but uh things are starting to look up for october toby day she's training her squire doing her job and has finally allowed herself to grow closer to the local king of cats goblin fruit we read this last week you know it baby i'm going center mass so tell me how bibliovile was this it was actually really well written and i liked it fuck (laughs) I mean, in terms of content, extremely bibliophile. Um, there is not a council, but other than that, like... Couldn't go better. It couldn't go better. It's in the Pacific Southwest and not the Pacific Northwest. That is weird. No one has ever once called California the Pacific, the Pacific Southwest. Southwest. Yeah. But, I mean, well, it's, it is. Yeah. I don't know. Vis-a-vis America, of yeah. course, but... um, No, this book is... Content-wise, definitely peak bibliophile, and I'll get into a lot of that. Um, Our main character, this is book like six or seven, naturally. Our main character once spent 14 years as an enchanted fish. Ah, Um, Mrs. Limpet. But the thing about this book is that it's actually really well written, and it was fun, and I enjoyed reading it. I am not going to read the rest of the series, Damn. But I was not mad about reading this one. Uh, well, I guess a shout out to, oh, wait, the author's name is covered up by the sticker. Let me flip over to the spine. Oh, wait, 
The author's name is once again covered up by a different sticker. Our library has a terrible track record with that. Shannon McGuire. McGuire. Um, the sort of mythology behind this is very Celtic, very Ireland, Judging Scotland, by the Wales. Name, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we have like a pronunciation guide in the beginning of some of the I've heard of uh, Queen, Gaelic names. That I've we heard use. of Queen Boudica, but Queen Bukica? <laughs> It just is not audially. It's like the anti-cellular door. Cellar door. Bookica. Um. No, there's. It. It's fine. It's weird. There's some really goofy stuff, but it's good. Oh, it starts I on. It. it starts on uh, August twenty second, twenty twelve. Our old future. <laughs> our old future. Um. August twenty second is uh, loyal listener Michelle's anniversary. Happy anniversary. Of- not for twenty twelve. That's negative four years. Three. Three. Um, there are some goofy things in here, though. Oh, yeah, we got married in 2016. <laughs> yeah, Go. good job. There are some right. goofy things in here. So in the acknowledgments, I I always kind of hesitate to make fun of the acknowledgments because I know that's like, you wrote a book and you're really proud of it, and this is your chance to do a shout-out in that book to the people that helped you. And I, I, totally, I totally understand that. Um, but... There's some weird inside jokes in here that I am going to make fun of a little bit. Writing these books is forever a labor of love, and a big part of that is all of you. Seriously. Thank you all. Thanks also to the Machete Squad, as always, since without them I would probably still be hiding under the bed rather than facing the tangles of Draft 2. To the Disney Magic Bitches for putting up with endless trips to Disneyland, and to Vixie, Amy, Brooke, and Sean for being extremely forgiving of the fact that no matter where we go, Toby goes there too. Vixie, Amy, Sean. <laughs> um, so she's a she's a Disney adult apparently, uh, but a fate worse than death. The sort of the overall plot of this book again. This is book I think six or seven. So there's a lot that I'm missing here. Um, but there is a drug called goblin fruit that is being circulated through the streets and mm-hmm. changelings who are half fae, half human, um, are dying. And so Toby, who's a knight, um, she goes by Sir October Day, uh, but she goes to the queen to say like, hey, there's all this goblin fruit. What are you going to do about it? And the queen says... Well, we're going to punish addicts and uh, uh, possessors of goblin fruit instead of the distributors or prescribers of goblin fruit. Well, they take it a step farther, and the queen's like, yeah, I know. I'm the one that put it out on the streets because I want all the changelings to die. Ah, well, that's where they get you. I know, that's where they get you. Shout out to Reagan. So she... Why were we talking about Reagan earlier today? Oh, Nancy Reagan's getting a stamp. stamp. Yeah. Just in Happy time for Pride, Pride Month. Month. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. I'm not laughing because it's so funny. I'm laughing because it's all ridiculous. Anyway, so because the queen is doing this uh, and October calls her out, she banishes Toby. So Toby decides she's going to depose the queen she finds out the queen is actually illegitimate. She finds the legitimate heir and schemes to put her back on the throne. Mm. Uh, the, the queen, the unrightful queen. Um, imposter. Tr- the imposter queen tries to put Toby out of commission. Toby's a changeling. Uh, by pieing her in the face with a goblin fruit pie. Ah, wow. And getting her addicted. Very slapstick. Oh, she gets addicted to it. Uh-huh. What's the what are the effects of goblin fruit? Um, well, it basically like puts her unconscious and then she's like she's going through these really bad withdrawals and it's all she can think about. So she doesn't even get a high? But she's a she's a uh changeling and so her magic blood tries to like make her more human to protect her and then she has to find something called a hope chest to bring her back to her face side and bring her magic back i see if this were rude tales of magic then her goblin fruit would only make her order poop and pee pee <laughs> um this so like when i describe the plot to you it sounds insane and the plot is kind of insane um but the writing is like there were some moments that were legitimately funny uh, no one like getting how, pied in the face. Yeah, getting pied in the face. That's funny. 
Uh, no one likes politics, but it gives me a lot of excuses to shout at people. I like that part. Um, we have to we have to do it all in three days. Otherwise, I'm going to be committing treason by correspondence course, she says, after she finds out she's going to be banished. Um, she apparently has a, a bit of a temper. And so when she um, proposes a solution to a problem, all of her sidekicks, or one of her sidekicks says... That is a surprisingly thoughtful and nonviolent solution. That um, sounds like something a D&D group would tell each other. Susan, <laughs> I got a question that won't play on a podcast, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Oh, good. This is going to be great audio. Why have your notes been crying and their makeup is running? <laughs> I uh, had a glass of water, like, kind of balanced on my lap with my notebook right next to it, and then the mailman came, and Finn went ballistic. Okay. And he spilled the water. And he spilled the water, okay. and it landed on my notebook. All right. Yeah. It does. It looks like a girl who has just been broken up with at a, uh, I don't know, Fall Out Boy show. No, I was actually just, you know, the mailman brought me to tears. He brought me good news. I in a love letter. that Fall Out Boy song. <laughs> the mailman brought me to tears. Um, there is one. This is a character that was mentioned once and never brought up again, which is very bibliophile. Um, but bone I did. Bone golem. Bone golem. Bone I, golem. I did enjoy the uh, the thought behind it. April O'Leary, Countess of Tamed Lightning, was the reason I had a cell phone. She's the world's first cyber dryad, and she specializes in making mortal technology compatible with fey magic. Phones that could work in the Summerlands, for example, or survive the freezing temperatures of the Shadow Roads without breaking. And now, apparently, phones that could receive semi-sentient text messages. Um, and I thought that was just kind of a fun idea. Yeah, I take that, it. Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, one of my students uh, one time had an idea and foisted it upon me multiple times, despite me not super being interested, of a new Pokemon type that was a cyber type. And so it'd be a robot Pokemon. And judging by the uh, the trailer that just got released for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, I, one of those legendaries looks like it's a cyber type. You know? mm. so, Maybe your student is actually, yeah, yeah, he actually works for Nintendo. He's Shigeru Miyamoto. Yep, exactly. You're, the guy the, who the created guy, Pokemon Mario. is no. a, uh, oh, Mario, <laughs> um, is a sophomore at your high school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah. there's some other good little one-liners that I enjoyed. Me, October, I was a fish for 14 years day, advocating that someone go hide with the mermaids. I guess some traumas get better with time. That, where they wind up buried under newer, bigger problems. Um, so it's like, I just, I kind of enjoyed the tone that she takes with it. Um, the characters are fun. It's, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was good. Uh, iron sap strength, and the more fey someone is, the faster iron will start affecting them. Diana was pure-blooded. She should have been writhing in agony. Instead, she was just looking for something she could hit. Um, so it's, there's there's some funny things. I owe the bitch who put, me, uh, who put me here more pain than I can properly describe. We may as well begin with a little robbery. Um, so it's just, I don't know, it's fun. <laughs> What? I'm I'm glad you enjoyed this, but so far this it's, is... these are big whiffs for me here. <laughs> these are okay. I need you to remember though, this is a competently written book that followed up Autumn Rose from last time. So it's like compared to some of the stuff that I've been reading, this it's, is way better. It's no Catch Twenty Two. That's a terrible book, and I hate it. Wow the wrath of the entire internet will fall upon you for that. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like that book. I don't think it's a very good Confederacy book. of Dances is awful and I will never cease. Uh, you bring that up in every single book club that we I haven't have. for an entire calendar year because I've been gone for the last four months. So. <laughs> um, we're at the end. We're breaking into the queen's treasury so I can find the hope chest I gave her when evening died. That'll let me change my blood back to normal so I can save Tybalt. I have no idea what any of that means, but it all sounds very epic and important, so I'm sure it'll work. All right. Um, Hanging a bit of a lampshade there, but still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I did, like, just think was nice, um, they're, like, greeting. So, like, when they're saying goodbye to someone, um, the thing that they say instead of just saying, like, see ya, they wish them open roads, warm fires, or kind tides, depending on who they're talking to. Um, and so you can always, like, it was just kind of a, a nice world building thing of, like, you can tell the relationship between 
characters based on like how they say goodbye to each other. Like if they say one of those three things, it's like a sign of respect and endearment. Um, and I just thought that was kind of nice. Like wishing you open roads. I do think or warm fires. I do think open road sounds like don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Like yeah. I hope your travels are fast. Yeah. Open roads. It sounds like a Jewish curse. <laughs> like a Yiddish saying. Um, but warm fires and kind tides. Knock the dust from nice. my sandals here. So um, in the end, they depose the imposter queen. They put the rightful queen on the throne. Oh, thank God. They, they replaced the monarchy. They save her brother. Um, Toby goes back to her normal balance of fae and human, but the imposter queen escapes. Um, so it's like, it's definitely setting it up for more books. Um, I have no interest in reading the rest of them, but... In terms of bibliophile books, this one was all right. <laughs> nice. And then Toby will come back in about uh, 14, 15 years at Into the Midnight Diverse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chimes at midnight. Wait. The main character's name is October. Toby, whatever. Yeah. The author's name is Sheenan McGuire. Yeah. Tony. Toby McGuire. McGuire. <laughs> This book is actually about Spider-Man or <laughs> Seabiscuit. Our next clue. <laughs> it's probably Seabiscuit. It's definitely Seabiscuit. <laughs> Name one other movie Tobey Maguire was in. I can't. Oh, um, my gosh. Other than the other Spider-Man movie. Uh, Seabiscuit. <laughs> A, an impression of him was done in Ocean's 12. Does that count? Or Ocean's 11. Whichever one had the guy saying, all reds. All right. All right, well, all right, all right, all right. That's Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Don't besmirch the name. Um, What we are going to do is move on to the next book and not have to go get the baby because he settled down. Oh, uh, nice. I did spill entirely all over myself, so I'm wearing a different shirt now. Um, but we are moving instead into my book, Glorious Appearing, The End of Days, 12th out of 12, how apropos, mm-hmm. in the Left Behind series. Now, Susan, you tell me that you have never heard and had no idea that the Left Behind series was a thing. So I did. I That is what I believed. And then my sister... Loyal listener, Michelle. Ah, whose anniversary is on August 22nd. Reach out Sorry to let me know. Sorry security questions. Reach out to let me know that I have, in fact, heard of this series because one of our cousins or aunts, one of our family members, uh, recommended it to us a while ago. I have zero memory of ever hearing about this series ever in my life. Um, but I was looking, I, I was finding a lot of romance books in the library and we've, we've just, we've done a lot of that. So have they. And I feel like the last couple of romances that I've gotten you have actually wound up being not that bad. So I really wanted to find something different. Um, I was intrigued by the book 12 icon on the top and was also intrigued by the Christian tag at the bottom. Um, so I had, again, no memory of this series, but I read some of the text on the back. Unity Army destroys Petra. Armies amass at Megiddo for ultimate showdown. Megiddo. Megiddo. Cross-shaped lightning illuminates night sky. Like, this sounds fine. They don't actually destroy Petra. I don't know what that's about. Um, And also, Petra, the thing that gives you one food, one culture, and one faith per desert tile in your city. That's a a C-tier wonder at best. It's summertime. Mick has been playing a lot of Civ. So has loyal listener Michelle. Okay, we can just, it's a record to see how many times we can bring her up. Hey, so, Sue, you seem to be on a, uh, to use a an apt term, crusade, mm. uh, to make me have to embarrass myself vis-a-vis my own faith. Uh, you I don't keep, think you need to be embarrassed by you, your faith, man. You keep getting me Christian books and then challenging me to criticize them in some way without... Uh, okay, I thought it. this was going to be more criticizing the writing and the ridiculousness that was happening. Bro, this is a left behind. The writing is the, re- like, the writing and the subject matter. This is, I'll get to it. All right. But, as always, let's just start off by saying your faith is very important to you and it's very personal. But, 
fucking evangel uh, evangelical Christians are pretty fucking weird, huh? It's pretty weird. Evangelical Christianity is pretty weird. We gotta get out. We gotta get that onto the record. Uh, yeah, it's cool for you you to believe and feel and care about what you uh, do. It's pretty weird, though, right? And so, as I've uh, stated numerous times on this podcast alone, my own personal walk with faith is that of one where I just <laughs> so oh, I yeah. thought I'd, I thought I'd start off by uh, just sort of filling you in on my own personal experiences uh, with evangelical Christianity. And my own experiences, I was raised Methodist. And my own experiences with evangelical Christianity don't actually come on Sunday mornings most of the time. Uh, they come once a year through Summer Games University. Summer Games University uh, started as Summer Games. I went to a camp where I stayed in a cabin for one year. And then they're like, nobody likes going here because it sucks. And so they moved it to um, <laughs> Iowa Wesleyan. Uh, mm. What town is that in? Uh, Mount Pleasant, oh. Iowa. Wow, that's really close. Mm -hmm. It felt very far away when I was a kid. <laughs> but we were there for several years and then outgrew it and had to go to Grinnell, which is the only reason that I applied uh, to Grinnell for college because I had been there multiple times and I did get accepted. It's no big oh, deal. Oh, fancy man. Uh, but then I was like, oh, wait, no, I'll just go to UNI like the rest of them. Um, hey, I went to UNI. Yeah, and I went for teaching. It's fine. <laughs> um, so I Summer Games University is a an explicitly religious organization uh, that says like, hey, how about we play games all day long and then at night... We do your classic uh, documentary Jesus Camp stuff. And uh, it was a good time. I enjoyed going every year. Uh, at the time, enjoyed both parts of it. But mm -hmm. now looking back, uh, cherished the games part of it mm -hmm. and the other stuff part of it. Uh, but that was my main uh, uh, sort of involvement with evangelical christianity despite the fact that they were i think it was almost entirely methodists which does not strike me as the most evangelical of the no. of the protestant denominations but uh it wasn't lutheran we'll get that like that's that's probably the least evangelical because they're like hey have some uh have some pickled fish you know that would be the <laughs> best. Lutherans are great. Yeah. Um, just so we can get this uh, clear, two two sermons remain clear to me from my uh, time at Summer Games University, and one was about, uh, naturally, of course, virginity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seemed worse that, and of course, it was women's virginity. Oh, not yeah, we don't really care yeah. about men's virginity. Naturally. That's not really a thing. Naturally. Um, it was somehow worse than every other, most other sins that could be, like, forgiven, and then it doesn't count anymore. You know, once you give up your virginity, ladies, that's it. Yeah. And so it's like, well, it's just one the, time. The crumpled up piece of paper analogy. Wow, well, it's just one time. And they say, yeah, but if I put just one piece of poop in this water, it doesn't matter how much water I put around it, there's still that piece of poop. You're not going to drink it. So that's where we stood vis-a-vis -vis female sexuality. Yikes. Uh, which is very funny because I did lose my virginity to a girl I met at Summer Games <laughs> University. <laughs> That is 100% oh, true. Oh, no, this is my first time finding out about oh, this. Oh, no, it is not. <laughs> no, it is not. It wasn't good. Um, It never is, but... This one was especially great. Uh, that was not, by the way, that was not the only hookup. That was the only one to go all the way, but there was at least three other three other girls that I met through yeah, summer games. Yeah, because even at church camp, teenagers oh, are horny. Right. That's where I'm willing to bet at least 40% of the people went. Uh, the other sermon that stands out to me is uh, the sermon about weed, uh, where he put on a, a this is an old man, uh, put on a uh, traditional hippie voice. It's like, well, it's from the earth, man, and it's natural, man. And then the guy proceeded to say, well, this dog poop is natural, so smoke this. So many what is poop it with analogies. Poop? Why the poop? Uh, which brings me to a thought that I only had while writing this very small list tonight. And that is the, the very hard job of being a youth pastor mm. is to make attitudes that are completely not cool seem cool. Yeah. That's why it really helps to have an acoustic guitar and good hair. And it's like, yeah, and sort of maybe a little predator vibes going on to, to make everybody feel special. Um, and so... 
it's like a, a they're probably let's face it i don't want our son to be smoking weed and uh, a bunch in high school and drinking a bunch in high school but at the same time i have to admit that's not the cool position to have. Mm-hmm. That's the safe and smart position to have. But it is not the cool. And youth pastors have to try and find a way to make it the cool pos- position to have. And it just doesn't work. Uh, I later proceeded to get drunk several times in high school with other members of the Summer Games University <laughs> crew. Uh, it's a good time. I think you were missing some of the messaging here, Meg. Uh, no, it's like you put a bunch of criminals in jail to reform them, but then they just meet other criminals. Um, I wasn't even a bad kid. That's the best part. I was a fine kid. This is completely unrelated, but the first time I experienced being hungover, even as a teenager, I did not drink a lot, but I did, uh, was, sorry, mom, if you're hearing this for the first time, (laughs) I hope you don't listen to this podcast for a number of reasons, um, was uh, the night before high school, I, I didn't like beer because I didn't know how to burp originally, and so I'd been drinking, uh, rum, Captain Morgan. Uh, yeah, no kidding. And then went, or slept at the guy's house, naturally. Uh, even as a teenager, we were all like, no, that's fucked. Yeah, uh, you're not going to drive. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then went home, and I had made a habit of running. And so without eating any breakfast, went for a run and proceeded to puke up just pure bile several uh. times. Uh, and I was like, oh, wait. even <laughs> I look back that as a 30-year-old. I was like, even as a teenager, I couldn't handle that one. Uh, anyway... Last thing about Summer Games University, a lot of those altar calls as they have, uh, you know, like everybody comes to the stage and you're going to pledge your life for Jesus and all Mm -hmm. this stuff and we're going to use mob mentality and peer pressure to make you do it. And boy, oh boy, that works works real good. Uh, And so I don't know if this was the, the, I just keep using uh, Bible words, but this was the genesis. That's not exactly a Bible word, but anyway, the genesis of this or just a symptom of it. Um... But when in the big crowd and we were all supposed to be singing, I, I wouldn't be singing or whatever. Uh, but I did do the altar call a whole bunch, like every year or whatever. And sometimes it meant more to me than others. It doesn't now, to give you a hint towards what I said when I was drinking that water. Uh, but I think that's why now I'm completely uncomfortable in crowds uh, yeah. doing literally anything that more than like five people around me are doing. Um, it's just not good. I don't like it. I went to, uh, several protests across the last couple years for a variety of reasons. I don't chant during protests. No, he couldn't do it. We were, uh, summer of 2020, we were at, uh, a march in downtown Iowa City and he, he's like, I want to, I want to, I want to I do this. I agree wholeheartedly. I agree. I, just I do cannot it. do it. Can't do it. So <laughs> I am very uncomfortable in crowds that are moving unidirectionally and guess what happens in most churches, no one ever raises their hand and says, yeah, but what about in mm-hmm. most churches? And so I don't go anymore. Um, I did see it. This has nothing to do with what I've been talking about, but I did see a, a car, a Ford Mustang today. Uh, it was a convertible parked in Hy-Vee. It had the top down and it did have the license plate that said crucify on it. That's neither here nor there. I just think it's interesting. Hmm. Uh, last thing. And this is something that I just, I'm just taking you through the walk with my oh, faith, okay. you know, my walk with Christ. Um, it recently came out on Twitter that there was like somebody found a book that describes how to clown for Jesus, like how to do church-based clowning and everything like that. And my church did have a clown troop with an E. Uh, I genuinely and truly love the church that you went to growing up. Because it's very, like, we're just going to have so many activities that everyone can find something. Oh, this is all adults. This is not children. No, I know. Okay. Like, your mom is involved in so many yeah, activities. Good, good good stuff. Like, no, feeding like, people. You know. Genuinely, like. She's not a clown. No, she, like. Officially. She knits, uh, Baby like, reusable sanitary products to give to people in need. Donates she knits backpacks. Baby blankets. They do a bazaar where they donate all the money to charity. They, like, she's in the bell choir because um, she always wanted to learn how to play an instrument and never did. And so she decided later in life that she was going to learn how to play the handbells. Like, it genuinely, I love it very much. Well, that's good. It did have a clown troop, though. <laughs> And I feel like if you had to see that troop in action, you would change your clown tune. 
It, I, I remember do thinking, really hate clowns. I remember thinking at the time, <laughs> later, when I saw the thing on tweet on Twitter, and now to this very moment at 7.53 on June 1st, that was weird. <laughs> Why? Why, Lee? Like, how do I attract these souls for Christ? And you're like, <laughs> like, how does that? I don't know. I'm going to pie right. the devil in the face. With goblin fruit. With goblin fruit. I don't get it. I was in puppets, though, <laughs> and it didn't seem to me to be weird at the time. I love that you did puppets. It's very good. I did do puppets, uh, which was a, a massive choreographed, quite well, puppet show uh, to, like, modern uh, sort of Christian pop. Uh, and so we would do a big show once a year. Uh, and it was a great time for, as, as Summer Games was, flirting behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, but also, I did do it, which did not seem weird to me and now very much does. I love it. I love that you did church puppets. I'm great at it now. Like, I, I can be doing it right now with my hand. It's amazing. I'll go up. I'll go down. I can do Avenue Q tomorrow, bud. Like, there's no problem with it. Uh, I did have to do, they did have like a big mascot head that had a remote controlled mouth. Nope. Uh, nope. And nope. so I'm I, out. I'm out. I, I did not have to be in the remote control head. I that hate was mascots. one of my good friends that later slept with a girl from Puppets. <laughs> I was the one that controlled the mouth and not while they were sleeping together. That was during the Puppet show that I controlled the mouth. Anyway, I read a book this week. <laughs> <laughs> that book was glorious appearing uh and it's very evangelical are there puppets not uh there's political puppets of satan oh no pie him in the face with god pie fruit. him in the face with a yeah uh i don't know jesus um the beginning of this book has a cast of characters and to well, that yeah, because you're a book who else. Well, yeah, to that you I gotta say. you got to figure out who you know. To that I say. Uh-oh. ruh Are any of them characters we know from the Bible? Uh, Jesus. Well, okay. I kind of uh, assumed. We meet several angels. Uh, here's a fun thing. See if you can see if you notice a uh, trend developing. Enoch Dumas, early 30s, Spanish-American. He does this. Montgomery Claiborne Mac McCollum, early 60s, he does this thing. Hannah Pale Moon, mid-30s, former nurse, she does this thing. Razor, early 20s, Mexican, military aide, he does these things. Leah Rose, early 40s, former head nurse, she does these things. Dr. Haim Rosenwig, a.k.a. Micah, mid-70s, he does these things. George Sebastian, late 20s, he does these things. Priscilla Sebastian, 30, she does these things. Uh, Abdullah Smith, mid-30s, Jordanian, he does these things. Rayford Steele, late 40s, he does these things. Hey, so I'm I'm noticing that uh, for some characters, we specifically call out their race. Mm. But then for others, we don't mention it at all, which is some type of, I think, like it's almost like they're treating white as though it's the default. Weird. Uh, the only person who assumedly is a person of color that we do not mention, his name is Chang Wong. And so I don't really think that we have to mention his race. Uh, because we, we managed to pick a very stereotypical, uh, uh, race or name for that person. Um, so that was like calling your only Asian character Cho Chang. Who would do such a thing? Um, this book begins with basically the multitudes of hell allied against the, uh, faithful, like a million people that are in Petra the, the sort of place the Last Crusade takes place mm -hmm. uh, for reasons that apparently I am going to uh, safely assume are in the Bible because I there's a lot of Bible in here that I skipped. Um, and then they're like, well, we're going to win because we're the faithful and here's all the things that have been happening and it's the prophecy, but I don't want to die yet. And several characters, excuse me, several characters do say like, well, what does it matter if I die? Like within a couple days, I'll be resurrected or whatever. Mm -hmm. I should tell you this, since apparently you don't remember it. Left Behind starts with the rapture. Mm -hmm. We have uh, the main character, I do believe, despite being mentioned second in the cast of characters, is Montgomery Claiborne Mac McCollum. Uh, I do believe 
that he was like a commercial airline pilot and he was off duty uh, making out with a girl in a limo or something. Maybe I've picked this up from the parodies of Left Behind. And then the rapture happens and he wasn't particularly Christian, but his wife and his child are. And so he's been left behind. Oh no. And so this has now been seven years-ish after that. So it's been like the apocalypse this whole time. And now it's the the armies of the unfaithful versus the faithful. And I get that you're basing this off of the Bible or whatnot. But also, I have to wonder, if the rapture happened, and a solid, let's lowball it, 30% of people just disappeared, mm-hmm. you don't think that more than a million-ish people would be like, hey, sounds kind of like the Bible, though? Yeah. Wait, so people don't pick that up? Like, they do. They're talking about how this is the rapture and everything, but then, like, uh Many, 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 many millions of people don't uh-huh. say like, hey, this is like the rapture where this is happening, though. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you don't think that most people would pick up on, hey, this book said that this was going to happen and then it did. And here's what's going to happen next. And most people will be like, I didn't think that that was true before. But now a millions of people have yeah. disappeared, leaving I'm, their clothes I'm behind. I'm kind of feeling like it's true. I'm starting to pick that up. So that's the Left Behind series. And now we're at the last one where we actually have to do the whole Revelations thing. And a spoiler alert. Are there biblically correct angels? Uh, biblically correct angels are whatever you want them to be. <laughs> because oftentimes in the Bible, angels are just hot people with swords or whatever. It's fine. What's the crime? What's the crime God punishes uh, Sodom and Gomorrah for? It's lust, isn't it? Nope. Inhospitability. Huh. They do not treat their guests with respect. Huh. And yes, they're fucking and sucking in the streets. That's also bad. But the thing that like that's it. That's the last straw. It's that they. they it's inhospitability. That is a a a. Uh, a strong current throughout a ton of ancient culture texts yeah. is that you got to be hospitable, and if you don't, you're fucked up. <laughs> Interesting. It's like the Rat King in Game of Thrones. So there's that. Ah, that is also a reference that I get. Um, <laughs> I understand the Bible references far more than the Game of Thrones references. <laughs> so the spoiler alert that I'm going to give you is that all does in fact go according to plan. Jesus does in fact return. The devil, Satan, is cast down into the pits. The Antichrist, the false prophet, the the we do meet with the people who have died and the faithful and whatnot. But wouldn't it have been so good to get to book 12 of your, this is what the apocalypse is going to be like, believe me, I've read the Bible and also Paradise Lost book series, and then have them be like, we cannot lose, we are on the side, and then just fucking get domed, like, they lose? Wouldn't that have been so good to have that be the ending of this book series? Can you imagine how Furious fans would have been. Yes, though. twelve books of hit evangelical book series. They yeah. made it into a movie, for goodness sakes. And then the last one is like, no, it turns out it was fucking wrong, and that this guy who I said was the Antichrist is actually the protagonist the whole time. Oh, no. oh it would have been so choice. It would have been so brave, but they didn't do it. Uh, so beyond that, who cares? Uh, just to bring it back to the point that I was making earlier, uh, there is one character that is in Chicago. Uh, while all of this is happening in the Holy Land, this book explains a lot about the modern evangelical movement's uh, view towards Israel, which is that the country of Israel is very important, but who cares about Jews? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first explicitly Latino woman from Chicago we get, uh, which he makes sure to tell us is Latino, uh, is a drug-addicted prostitute until she saw the light. Naturally. The very next character mentioned is, quote, an African-American woman named Shaniqua. Oh, good. We're just leaning into all of the stereotypes, huh? Yeah. Uh, I don't know which is worse, the name of the presumably Chinese character or that the one black woman is named Shaniqua. Yeah. Um, you never went to Summer Games University. You are Catholic. Uh, so you just had a priest tell you not to do stuff. Uh, we had to be tried to convince to not to do stuff. I also went to a non, non-denominational... Evangelical. Evangelical youth group. Uh, where the pastor of that church explicitly hated Catholic people. Michelle and I have talked about this so much as adults. Like, wasn't that super weird that we both went to that youth group for so long when he super hated Catholic people and, like... Baby eaters. Would try to 
talk to us either out of being Catholic or about how being Catholic was bad. Mm. It's weird. That's what I don't get about Protestants is like, it's cool to be Protestant or whatever, but like, how can you say that being Catholic is therefore, I know the whole transubstantiation culture of centuries, but isn't the idea of Protestantism like, whatever, fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> Well, see, there was a guy named Martin Luther. Oh, yeah? Tell me about his thesis. <laughs> well, I got a surprise for you. He doesn't just have one. <laughs> All right. Uh, tell me if this sounds familiar from that evangelical youth group. In an abandoned laser tag park about 10 miles west, going to laser tag probably sound pretty familiar. Uh, but anyway, she had stood telling her story with tears running down her generous cheeks. Uh, she also has big cheeks. I was once blind, but now I see is the only way I can say it. She said, I was blind to God, blind to Jesus, selling my body to buy drugs and food. I had left everything and everybody important to me. Before I knew it, I only cared about me and my next high. It was all about survival. Kill or be killed. Do what you got to do. This is all over the place. But then one day, one of you came to me, and it was her right there. Carmela pointed to an older woman in an African-American named Shaniqua. She handed me one of the brochures about the meetings and all, and she said, somebody loves you. I thought, somebody loves me? Tell me something I don't know. Men trying to love me all day. But I knew better. Nobody loved me. Fact, they hated me. Used me. I meant nothing more to them than their next meal or next high. Just what they meant to me. Nobody loved me since my mama. And she died when I was little. Uh, have I mentioned this is inner city Chicago? Mm. Uh, an evangelicalist dream ground of proselytizing. I knew the brochure had to be something religious, but have but her saying that about somebody loving me and having her having the courage to give me the brochure when she knew it was against the law that was the only thing made me not throw it away or cuss to her face. I read it that night and it opened my eyes. Uh, great. Uh. It does mention uh, a whole lot of political things have gone down. Uh, the city of New Babylon, which is very funny to me, because, of course, the Babylon that the Bible is talking about is fucking Babylon mm -hmm. that the Jews are really mad about because they're being forced to live in Babylon. But, of course, the New Testament happens after the Jews have been released from Babylon, and so it uses Babylon as a symbol of worldly Rome. It's Rome. They're talking about Rome. It's not a symbol at all. It's Rome. I mean, is it Rome? I don't know. Um, but since then, the idea of Babylon has taken on to be like worldliness, right? Yes. Secular attitudes. Uh, and so they build a city and call it New Babylon, which only goes back to my former point. Like, if you're going to be going through this, like, nobody said, even to the Antichrist, who's a guy named Nicolae Carpathia, nobody leaned into him and said, like, Hey, dude, uh, you might want to call it something else besides New Babylon. That's kind of the name of the evil town in the Bible. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have a People PR People are going to catch on. I thought I was really hoping that you were going to say, like, his name was just Nick. It was just some guy named they Nick. They do call him Nick. But he's, he's the he's, uh, he's, I believe, Hungarian. Oh. Or something, Romanian or something like that. One of the evil European. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, former president of Romania. Yeah, oh, a real naturally. vampire here. Modern day Transylvania. Um, and anyway, the city of New Babylon got destroyed, I think, by God, if I remember correctly, but, uh, the Antichrist can't admit, so he has to say he destroyed it for reasons, and everybody's mad because this damn Antichrist has crippled the economy, Ugh. bungled the economy, thanks a lot, sleepy Antichrist. So the worst thing he could have done Put in was stickers. The, ruin the economy. Uh... Later, later, all of this is happening in Israel, and the guy that's in Chicago is like, I want to get over there. But how am I going to afford it? And it's like, dude, you're living in a world where the holy millennial kingdom of Jesus is about to begin, and you're still thinking about the free market nature of supply and demand that you're... Like, how American evangelical is that? That the world is about to be created anew in the image of the Son of God, the Holy Christ... And he's like, oh, I better start fundraising. I need to get a plane ticket. <laughs> oh, no. What are we going to, like, and I don't think that's a plot hole. I think this guy thinks that Jesus will take over and be like, verily I say unto thee, work makes thee free. Oh, no. That one might have gone a little too far. Oh, no. Uh, verily I say unto thee, child labor laws uh, harm consumer choice. All right. 
one of our uh, main characters wants to sneak into uh, Jerusalem, the city that is under siege. There's a small group of rebels holding out in Jerusalem vis-a-vis uh, prophecy. Uh, and the evil army is entirely black because, uh, you know, Ham and all that, Cain and blackness uh-huh. is evil. Uh, and so... Racism. Uh, and so, of course, our main character in order to fit in... Blackface. No, 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 no. There's no blackface. Tell yeah, me, no, there's no yeah, blackface. He's blackface, no. of course. Paints himself black with dye. No. Uh, but once he's in Jerusalem, he's got to act like he's just there with the rest of the crew. And so he shoots a couple guys in the back with an Uzi, but it's okay because they're evil. There's a lot of murder by people that's okay. And then there's millions of people getting murdered by Jesus that's okay. Um, which remind me about having to interpret the Old Testament through Jesus uh, here in a hot second. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't let me forget not to say that. Uh, so he's trying to look for this guy that ends up being dead in Jerusalem. And one person, one of the, the soldiers for the bad side is like looting. The, they're all looting the corpses. And uh, one is looting his friend's body, which is hanging from a wall. And so our dude peels off a boot uh, that he asked for, like, hey, hand me that boot, and throws it at him and hits him in the face, knocking him off the wall, killing him. But it's all good. Man, he was... that's a hell of a shot with a boot. Well, that's all. Yeah, he was sitting on the wall. But it's like, hey, there's an argument to be made about, like, you know, sometimes the death of one is better than the death of many, and so therefore it's a, you know, the a last resort can be the right thing or whatnot. And then there's decking a dude in the face with a boot, killing him by launching him off of a wall. He didn't need, you didn't save anybody, mm-hmm. but no, it's all good. He's holy. Uh... The false prophet to the uh, Antichrist, who's just some guy, he's, of course, fat. Ugh. Man, we just have every kind of yeah. phobia and ism in here. Yeah. Um, is wearing a robe that has every religious symbol known to man, save the cross and star of David. Sorry, Islam! Turns out you're not an Abrahamic religion. Hmm. Turns out you don't count, even though you believe in the exact same God, and in fact, Jesus being a holy person. Sorry, bud. Something about you just... You're not in our club. Gee, I wonder what, what it, it is. What could it be? Yikes. Uh, the uh, Antichrist has at least one female, like, I, I suppose, secretary-level, cabinet-level position assistant. Mm-hmm. She has blue hair, and I don't know if she's supposed to be very old or one of those fucking liberals. Oh, I bet she's one of those liberals. Probably has a nose piercing. Uh... So this is, I'm not even 50 pages into the book yet. This just throws a lot at you first. It's not unbad, it's not badly written. Like this person, these people are competent at the very least. Um, I don't remember what I was supposed to get out of the quote that I wanted to start. All right. It's very Jesus-y. Surprise, surprise. Uh, this is, this entire book, which was, uh... Several hundred pages long, uh, not counting the section where it goes into the the Bible itself, which I did not read because no thank you, uh, was 394 pages long. Um, And it takes place over the course of about 36 hours uh, before Jesus actually like starts doing king, excuse me, king stuff. And then uses his miracle powers to make time go by really fast. Uh, like everybody loves being there so much that they don't notice the time's going by. So technically, it takes like three weeks. But the plot that is in you know man's time, earthly time, secular time, mm-hmm. is only about thirty six hours long. And it accomplishes this much length only over thirty six hours by no one character having more than three pages in a row of perspective. It's just like hopping back and forth. This is very much the wrap-up to a biblical epic of sorts. And so you want to see what every character's up to, except I didn't care about any of them or want to see it. So I pick a perspective. Come on. Um, And so it just hops around a lot. There's a lot of weird feelings towards Jews because like, hey, you're our uh, white-passing brothers, uh, but you didn't believe in Jesus as a uh, holy person, so you got to really step it up. Uh... And so, blah, 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 blah. Rabbi Rosenvig is attempting 
Elazar Tiberius said, to persuade the rest of the Jewish population, those who have refused to mark uh, the mark of the beast and yet who have not acknowledged the Jesus as Messiah to do just that. He, and we agree, estimates that this may constitute a third of the remaining Jewish population. You understand that these are Je God's chosen people, his children from the beginning of time. All of scripture is a is his, capital H, his love letter to them, his plan for them. And it's like, okay, so they're his chosen people, but boy, oh boy, they still got to go for that Jesus mm -hmm. dude, huh? Yeah. Um, I was supposed to remind you to talk about... That comes later. Okay. Um, we get a black woman uh, saying, hold on, H-O apostrophe D on, Ugh. which might be the most white evangelicals uh, attempt at a black person. Uh, a Middle Eastern Jewish man is presented without an accent. But a Chicago black woman has to be written in, yep. pet in petois. Sounds about right. Uh, several times we are reminded that the Jews killed Jesus. Gotta really rub that one in. Uh, several times we mention how many times the new sermons are being watched online. Hits and views. Gotta like and retweet. Smash that, that bell. Uh, at one point someone wields a nuclear submachine gun. What does that mean? I don't know. Uh, this is the ultimate in mixing the Bible with Paradise Lost, with the EU. <laughs> the in that there's a lot of, of direct mentions of, you know, this prophet said this in this thing. And also, Satan was cast out because he was too beautiful of an angel. He is Lucifer, the morning star, and this is who he is as a character. It's like, bud. That's, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible anywhere, man. Some guy just made it up. It's fan fiction. Mm-hmm. You gotta get over it, but the the story's not as fun if there's not a sexy devil, I guess. Uh, we've managed. I like this. This note makes me laugh. We've managed to find the most pre-spoiled story in human history, and tried, <laughs> and we tried to play it for tension. <laughs> uh, that does remind me of a fun Mick moment where Mick was named Godfather of one of his nephews uh, <laughs> several years ago, and. Got him a children's Bible, like a, a godfather does, and wrote a nice little inscription at the beginning that says, you know, Dear Tommy, I love you. I'm excited to be your godfather. Spoiler alert, Jesus dies. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Jesus dies. Um, uh, the ladies at the Petra, now that the armies have been defeated by, uh, they, they can't break in or whatever. So all the men are out on the the the, the ridge thinking, how are we going to defend ourselves? Oh, wait, actually, God's doing it. So what am I even doing? Like, literally, they think to themselves, like, why am I here? Why do I have a gun? Yeah. You know, like, what's it matter? Which is a fair point. To that, I say, why am I reading this? Uh, of course, all the ladies are inside tending to the wounded. Uh, on page 166, we get a very ill-phrased question. Uh somebody is asking our our uh, hacker character, you'll want to see this. I'm already seeing what I want to see, Chang said, but you're still interested in the Jewish question, right? Oh, no. And what they meant uh, was how many Jews are in fact pledging that Jesus is the Messiah so that they can get into heaven. Why did no one stop them from phrasing it that way? I don't know. I can't hear the whistle, so... I, my, this this dog whistle must oh, be broken. Oh, no. Uh, out of 300 and whatever pages I said, 394, uh, Jesus is back on page 202. Uh, he is not described physically, except that he's very bright and everybody loves it. Mm -hmm. uh, he appears in the sky with a heavenly host behind him. He talks. Everyone can see him and hear him as if he is only like he's in the sky. Uh, yeah. The doors style. Um, but everyone can see him around the world, which, you know, he's, he's God, he's Jesus, then, you know, makes sense. Um, and everyone can hear him as if he's like talking directly to them. He uses their personal name that it doesn't stop saying, oh, he used my personal name. Yeah, I got it. I yeah. heard that. The I, first I heard that time the first time. Thank you. And it's not that it was like, I saw that he talked to this character the first time. The first character is like, he used my name. Oh my gosh, why am I so special? I looked over to the side and saw that everyone, they must have been using everybody's name, but it didn't make it feel any less special. Which is like, sure, if I heard the Lord God himself use my specific name, mm -hmm. I might, you know, that would probably be pretty touching. Yeah. But then the second time it happens to a different character, oh, he used my personal name, and it says it every time. We've been there. Um, 
So there's these millions and millions upon uh, of soldiers from the New World Order, basically, uh, and Jesus shows up. And it does acknowledge the symbolism, a rabbi who basically takes the shape of the authors trying to tell us, oh, here's the symbolism of what's happening and what's going to happen next and why this is what's happening. Like, seriously, we get multiple, let's sit down in a circle and I'll tell you about the Bible sections. That's when I didn't uh, read all of it mm-hmm. because I don't care. Um, it does call out the symbolism of something I did read as a child, which is that in the book of Revelations, which is a bonkers book. Yeah, it's wild. It's a wild ride. Jesus has a sword for a tongue. Yep. And when I was a child, I was like, wow, what a bonkers book. He has a sword in his mouth. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you get to be outside of the age of innocence and you realize that that's symbolism for like, ah, he has a, you know, a biting wit. It is his word that is going to be his weapon. And so it acknowledges the symbolism of a sword in your tongue as not literally a sword in your tongue. The word is the weapon. Yeah. And so, of course, it handles this by having whenever God or Jesus speaks, uh, the enemy's stomachs are slashed open and their innards fall out. So his word is a sword. Mm. And it's like... Kind of takes the symbolism out of that a little bit. Yeah. And just like, kind of turns it how can into you an actual sword. How can you acknowledge the symbolism of like, it's his words that will win the day into, yes, by speaking so people die. Yeah. By his words are going to disembowel people. It does specifically mention that Jerusalem is everyone's homeland in the uh, in the remainder of the faithful. Jerusalem is everyone's homeland of the faithful, not of the New World Order. Mm-hmm. So once again, really putting a pin on the modern state of Israel. Yep. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant uh, appears in the sky during the last battle over Jerusalem uh, and weirdly does the exact same thing in the Bible that it does in the Indiana Jones movie. What? What's the name of the Is movie? Is Indiana Jones also Bible Extended Universe? I suppose, maybe. <laughs> now, yeah. What's the name of the first Indiana Jones movie? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thank you very much. What's the name of the second? What's in, the first two, three words? Indiana Jones and yes. the... Yeah. Oh, that's four, yeah. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. But uh, the first one is just right as the last arc because they didn't make the sequel. No, they read the co- We got really mad one time and we're aging ourselves here, but we were at a family video and we were looking for Raiders of the Lost Ark and we were looking for it under movies that start with R and Mick was very mad that they didn't have it. And then I looked under movies that start with I with all of the Indiana Jones movies and Mick got furious because it is not Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It makes sense philosophically, but it is incorrect. Um, so I'm going to come back to the, the Old Testament thing. Uh, several prophecies start to be made true. For example, uh, every valley will be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places will be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord has been revealed and all flesh have seen it together for I have spoken. Not only notable for appearing in a Martin Luther King Jr. speech, but also in the Bible. And it's meant to symbolize equality or, uh, like... That, you know, things have been made fair in many ways. And in this book, the earth has become flat. It is still round, but it has all been planed down to flatness. We just really hate symbolism and we have to make everything very literal. Except for Jerusalem, which because it's supposed to be on a city on a hill, will be lifted up into a hill. It... Mm. So, uh, the earth is now flat. Too literal. It's round, but it's flat, like a a cue ball. Uh, I can't read that. Oh, the Antichrist dies on page 309 out of 394. He is thrown Mm. into the pit after Satan abandons him. Uh, There, then Satan later comes out and uh, he gets put on trial and he does a shape-shifting thing, a thing Satan can do, Lucifer can do, uh, and he is chained up and thrown into the pit by Michael, though he will be let out th- a thousand years later. And the book does take the time to say, like, why does he get let out, but the Antichrist doesn't? Mm-hmm. And basically, it's like, well, he—if we don't let the the Antichrist, or we don't let Lucifer out, then we don't know if you actually believe in God or not. Um, so there's that. And then now they're living in the Millennial Kingdom, right? Jesus is king. The best and holiest kind of government there mm-hmm. is. Gotta love monarchy. Uh, every single time they start to pray, Jesus answers them before they can even start, which does speak to a certain amount of like, okay, yes, this is actually better or whatever. Um, 
Finally, uh, the one guy is still in America. He has not yet found boat fare, I guess, over to Israel. But get this, he falls asleep and wakes up in Israel because Jesus put him there because he's a miracle. Uh, he was wondering what would happen to America if all the action is happening in Israel, in the mm-hmm. Holy Land, what will happen in the United States? Would it become finally and for real a Christian nation? Oh, no. Uh, I'll get back to that I'm one, I'm willing too. to bet it does. Uh, no, everyone leaves and goes to the Holy Land. Everyone's going to live in Jerusalem together as of right now. Uh, then they're living in the Millennial Kingdom. Everybody is bouncy and happy. Uh, they haven't quite gotten to the reunions yet. They did have the first one of the miracles is that uh, they all got a one-on-one with Jesus at the same time, more or less. But then uh, the saints of the Old Testament, so just like notable people from the Bible, uh, show up and Jesus thanks them and good job and gives them a medal except for Chewbacca. Um, but then after that, they go try to live somewhere in Jerusalem and would you believe it? It's like empty. And so they just kind of move into places that seem ready. And there's all these animals that are kind of filing themselves into the pens, getting ready to be slaughtered and all that kind of stuff. Not for sacrifices, which is weird because that's what God was all about in the old Testament. Yeah. Uh, but Jesus was the, you know, ultimate sacrifice. Why are I guess, they, why are they going to be slaughtered? To be eaten. Oh. Yeah, to be eaten. And so all the animals are being provided to them and fresh fruit. And as soon as you pick one thing off a tree, it appears again. So Jesus doesn't need to weirdly curse the fig tree in that one parable. Um, but the guy shows up and uh, is like, okay, what do I owe you? I don't have any money and I don't think you want the New World Order stuff. And he's trying to start a tag. And I'm like, dude, you got to leave the fucking free market behind. Yeah. This is the this is the promised land. How committed to the bit do you have to be to be like, I'll start a tab, I guess. I'll, I'll just owe you. Well, have you heard of currency? Because I think that's really what we're missing here in the promised land. I've started land. a trade route, so I got the, the, the bonus to currency. So I think that uh, right now, this is really the moment for crypto. <laughs> uh, open crypt-do. <laughs> um, so then we kind of wind down with, hey, isn't this great? Isn't this wonderful? Oh, everybody's coming back. Hey, Dead second wife. Have you met raptured first wife? Oh, no. Yes, they like each other. It's fine because everybody's happy because Jesus and we're all in Jesus together. And it does bring me to like, it's a good idea to end the book here right there because now several people fell in love and had children between the rapture and the uh, coming of Christ, I guess, which suggests to a certain amount romantic love. Mm hmm. Jesus is not a love of romantic love. Mm-hmm. He's a love of godly love. So are we going to be in like deus filia for the rest of the, the like, does anybody fall in love anymore? Do people get married? I feel like this is one of the questions that like, we don't. Mm, There's going to be a thousand years. Yeah. You know, you don't like whatever. Uh, yeah, that's not one. All right. So back to the whole Old Testament thing. Um, there's two parts of the Old Testament. Jesus has to lay down the law to be, you know, to finish the whole you didn't eat your vegetables so you don't get dessert idea of the apocalypse. Uh, and so he kills millions of people at once by just opening the earth under them and they go to hell. Even if they were good people, they didn't believe in him or whatever. Uh, though he does shout out the whole thing about like, you know, when you ran into a hungry man, you fed him, or a homeless man, you clothed them. You know, that part where it's like, whatever you've done to the least of my yes. children, you've done to me, or whatnot. Uh, and so that's what he uses to judge, and then kills millions and millions of people all at once. And he's like, I had to be done. And I'm like, did it though? Isn't the whole thing of the New Testament the forgiveness part? Yeah. And so taking Old Testament prophecy and trying to crowbar it into New Testament, new religion has never sat well with literally, I don't think, anyone, uh, which is why they have to work so hard to try and make it work, to be like, hey, this this uh, religion all about forgiveness and about, like, if you're, if you really, truly, uh, you know, apply yourself, I guess, I don't know what to say about it, then, like, there's not a thing you can do that can't be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Except a- if you ran out of time, dead, I mean... Uh, uh, clock's ticking clock's ticking deadlines are a thing even for Christ so he only had those three days he had to do a lot in those three days before he could rise again oh jeez 
Which does bring me to my last point, which is that the whole thing about maybe uh, America will finally be a Christian nation. And it's like, let me guess how many of your readers were hoping that America would feed the cl- feed the uh, unclothed and uh, feed the hungry, clothe the unclothed, give the homeless places to live. Yeah. Uh, if we really want America, the country, and therefore the government to be a Christian nation, shouldn't it be in that part that you said was the most important thing Jesus worried about and not so much about the other parts about like Virginia mm-hmm. or whatever? Because you got forgiven for having extramarital affairs, uh, but they didn't get forgiven for being uh, mean to poor people. And so readers of this book that I assume are listening to this still, uh, the Left Behind series, notably for people who support things like a wide social safety net for doing the types of work that basically Jesus uh, and the New Testament and Mary and everybody were like all about. Mm-hmm. Uh What's up with that? That's what. I, there we go. My name has been Mick Dickinson. I'm Susan Dickinson. I hope you like religion. This is Susan's fault. She won't stop getting me Christian books. Leave the faith for. Faith. Okay, I will leave the faith. I will leave the faith. Um, <laughs> you did future tense before we. Oh yeah. Before we go, you did go on a little shopping spree. Yeah, and you I stopped did a little, by a discount bookstore. Did a little retail therapy. Uh, over at the uh, outlet mall that's over by Iowa City. And I don't know if you guys know this, but outlet malls are freaking cheap. Uh, so I picked up a lot of pairs of shorts. and so- or I only picked up one, but I regret it. Uh, pair of shorts. Uh, I did, however, pick up four books for $10 out of a bin that might as well be labeled the Bibliovile bin. And so what I'm going to have Susan do, she can't look at any of them. She's going to pick one out of the four at random. Totally, You will read all of them at some point. All right, picking the second. All right. Oh, Tell me what we got here. dear. Redemption Alley by Lilith St. Crow. Oh, nice. Some roads you don't want to go down. Uh, St. Crow, by the way, is one word. It is not like ST dot space crow. Some cases are unusual, even for Jill Kismet. <laughs> when convenient. Her, when her police contact asks her to look into a suicide, Jill Kismet sun, suddenly finds herself in a labyrinth of deception. Would you say she stumbled into it? Drugs, murder, and all-too-human corruption. The cops are her allies, except for the ones who want her dead. The hellbreed are her targets, except <laughs> for the ones who might know what's going on. Her city is in danger. Time is running out, and each lead only draws her deeper. How far will a hunter go when her city and her friends are on the line? Romantic Times uh, calls it gritty, violent, and utterly compelling. I've had Tinder dates describe her worse. You have not yet gotten me my book. Have you picked anything out? Uh, so you sent me a Snapchat video of the book bin. And I asked you, I said, I called out a title specifically and asked you to pick it up. But you had already left. But I did find it on Amazon, so you are going to be reading Positively Pippa. I don't know what it's about. I just know that it's called Positively Pippa. All right, let me do a real quick check to make sure I did not get you that book in this three, because I... If you did, did. Nope. All right. I do have an alliterative P book in here, but that is not one of them. All right. Positively Pippa. I hope it's about that Duchess's butt. No, it's the Duchess's sister's name is Pippa. Duchess-in-law. All right, that is going to do it for this week of Bibliovile. Sorry if that was weird, uh, but that's that's where I go, baby. Uh, The intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Dickymon, the podcast at Bibliovile. You can find Sue at Susan J. Good night, Michelle. You should listen to Vacation Bible School, uh, a podcast.